right, hey, Christ community, glad all of you are here. Greetings to our uh, traditions venue and our friends in LaSalle and all those who are joining us online. Man, glad all of you are here. Before we jump into the message today, I want to take a moment and just talk about following Jesus through baptism. Um, in a few weeks, on the weekend of November 16th and 17th, we're going to be celebrating people's faith journey through the practice of baptism. And baptism is, it's a big deal for a follower of Jesus. Jesus actually commands us to be baptized, not as a way to, to be saved, but as a public declaration of our faith and a symbol of our faith in Christ. So if you're a believer in Jesus, maybe you've known Christ for years, or maybe you have recently come to know Christ through our Alpha course or in one of the services or on your own or whatever. If you're a believer in Jesus and have not ever been baptized, I urge you to obey Christ in this way. And this includes those of you who, like me, were baptized as an infant. The, that was more about your parents' desire for you, which is fine. But there is a, there, there's something uniquely powerful about you publicly declaring your faith in Christ through baptism. So if you're interested in exploring this further or you know you want to be baptized, there's an information in your newsletter about an upcoming uh, required orientation meeting that you must attend. One other cool thing that I want to mention, um, for a few years, we, as a, we, we've wanted a fireplace in our lobby uh, just to create a warm, kind of welcoming environment. Well, a few months ago, a family in our church donated a brand new fireplace, which was so generous of them. We also use some memorial money um, to, to install this. And so this past week, the install was completed. So please enjoy that gift to our church family. Yes. Amen. So uh, we're excited about that. And, and, and by the way, I mean, Christ Community, you're, you're an incredibly generous church. And that's just one example of many that just blow me away which is a great segue into the topic today. We're finishing up a three-week teaching series on the, the topic of financial generosity, which is not an easy topic to look at. It's hard to talk about money and to evaluate this in our lives. But on the other hand, it is incredibly powerful and incredibly life-giving to talk about this. What God promises to us when we choose to be financially generous is absolutely amazing. It's crazy. In his own words, I mean, he's talking about floodgates of heaven being open. He's talking about blessings running over into our laps. See, from God's vantage point, our choosing to be generous with our money opens a door for us to thrive and to experience deeper levels of freedom and joy and peace. And folks, that is my heart. That is my heart in this series. It is for each one of us to experience more of the life that God has in store for us and, and more freedom from the burdens, the things that, that burden us. So each week in this series, we're looking at a passage that describes this over-the-top description, really, of God's blessing, over-the-top promise of God's abundant blessing when we give. And in each passage, then, we're discovering a specific principle. We're discovering a practice that can help us grow in generosity. So the first week, we looked at Jesus' words in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, and we learned the principle of first. The principle of first, that our financial giving to God is to come first in our lives as a way to honor him as, as, as Lord and to seek him first 
seek his kingdom first. Then last week, we looked at Malachi chapter 3, and we talked about the principle of tithing. We discovered that tithing is not a legalistic command, it's not a legalistic requirement or mandate, but rather, tithing is a powerful tool to help us face our fear of not having enough and to help us loosen greed's hold in our lives, in our hearts, and to give us a purposefulness in our giving. It's powerful, powerful. So if you missed either one of those messages, I would urge you to listen online, um, website, on our app or whatever. There is so much, there is so much a powerful life-giving truth contained in these passages. Okay, well today we're going to get really practical. Um, we're looking at a passage in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, um, and, which is in the New Testament. It's a letter written by a church planner, um, a guy named Paul, um, to a church in the city of Corinth. And what makes this passage so relevant for us is that Paul is writing to a group of Christians, a group of Christ followers, who really, in their hearts, they wanted to be more financially generous, but they were kind of stuck. They were kind of stuck, just like we can easily get kind of stuck in this area. We want to be generous. We do. We want to be generous, but it seems like, at times, just the inertia of life hinders that because of just busyness or the stage of life we're in or the, 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 the truly challenging circumstances that we happen to be facing or whatever. Because of these things, we can easily stop growing in generosity. And so part of what Paul does to, to, in this passage to help these people kind of get unstuck in this generosity area, what, part of what he does is to remind them of what's at stake. So look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He says, remember this. It's really important. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So imagine, imagine two farmers who are planting corn in the spring. And one, one farmer plants five seeds, two, three, four, five, uh, and, and the other plants thousands of seeds. Well, when, when fall rolls around, they both harvest their crops. And, and the one who planted less is angry because of the size of his crop. So what would you say to that farmer? You say, dude, if you want a large harvest, you have got to sow a larger amount of seed. You're reaping completely depends upon your sowing. And see, Paul says the same thing is true in the area of giving. When we spend most, if not all, of our money on ourselves, we limit our capacity to experience God's abundant blessings. But when we sow generously, when we sow generously, when we give generously to God's kingdom work, the blessings poured out are amazing and they are far more valuable. I mean, think about this. When you plant seeds, you're not hoping for a good crop of seeds back, are you? <laughs> no, no. When, 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 you, when we plant seeds, we're hoping for something better. We're hoping for something better. We're hoping the seeds become fruit, right? Corn or, or, or corn or vegetables, fruit, whatever. We just hope the seeds actually become something better. See, the, the seeds of generosity that we sow, they don't result in more seeds, thankfully. They don't result in more seeds. They, they result in amazing fruit and, and blessings that we get to enjoy. So <clears throat> look at, <clears throat> I mean, the description of Paul, used, the Paul describes this passage of the blessings <clears throat> of generosity. This is amazing. I mean, the first two weeks, 
over the top. <clears throat> this is another, <clears throat> another example. Check this out. And God, this is a few verses later, we're sowing generously, reaping generously. This is what he says. And this is, again, motivating, trying to motivate the people he's writing to. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service, he's not done yet, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. I mean, wow. That is amazing, all the blessings described in this passage. In fact, if, if your small group is going through the, the uh, teaching notes, you're going to be unpacking this passage in more detail and all the blessings that are mentioned here. There's the blessing of provision, which results in more opportunities to be generous. That's what he's talking about. God's going to provide, so you're going to be able to even be more generous. And then there's the blessing of knowing that your gifts are actually impacting other people for Jesus. All of us want that. We want to make an impact for Christ, right? So we know that our gifts are impacting more people for Christ and that those people are giving praise to God because of you. That's what Paul is saying here. So our church had a um, Discover Christ community gathering uh, last month. We do this once a month. It's coming up next week. Um, and and we, we designed this, it's like a 10, 15 minute gathering just for new people, people who are relatively new to Christ's community, just a chance to learn more about our church. So last month when we had this a few weeks ago, it was so cool. I just kind of slipped in there and, and just heard um, what was going on. And it was so cool because some of the people there, new people began to share stories of how this church had impacted them. They don't even, they haven't even been, they just started attending here. This church impacted them. One person was coming out of a domestic violence situation and she had connected with our church through someone volunteering um, th at the Project Connect event from a few weeks ago, which was awesome at Island Grove. She didn't even attend here at the time, but she was impacted by our church. And then when she was in sharing, another person started to share. We weren't even prompting this. It was just happening. Another person who is in her 90s, 90s, and she had never really heard the gospel until a few weeks ago, coming here. She is now so in love with Jesus and growing in her relationship with him. So here they are, here they are at this gathering for new people at Christ, to Christ community. And we're supposed to be kind of telling them about, you know, our church and helping them get to know our church. And, and they, are, they are thanking God and they are thanking this church for the impact in their lives. See, when you give, when you give to God's work through your church, those gifts, they result in thanksgiving. So all over the place, there's a parent thanking God for what's going on in their child. There, there are people thanking God. They're not thanking you necessarily, but you had a part of it, right? They're thanking God as their lives are being changed and as people are experiencing Jesus' love, which makes giving so much fun. Right? I mean, it makes it so much fun to know that our gifts are making a difference for Jesus in people's lives. <clears throat> now, by the way, 
By, by the way, I want to just say something here. The, the staff, this is sort of a side note, but it's really important for you to hear this. The staff of this church take very seriously our responsibility as good stewards of every donation. <clears throat> we prayerfully seek God in our budgeting. We have multiple checks and balances for all of the spending that occurs. Multiple people are signing up, multiple checks and balances, and our financial statements are available to anyone upon request. See, we, we are a family here, and we are all about transparency. We're all about being trustworthy. Okay, so in the midst of this motivational passage about giving and the blessings that result when we give and people giving thanks, giving to God, all that stuff, in the midst of that, Paul then reveals a powerful principle. This is principle number three. All right, we looked at the first, the second, now this week, principle, third principle that can help us out, a life-changing principle that can help us keep growing in generosity and reaping the benefit of that. So here it is. Here's the third principle. It's the principle of intentionality. The principle of intentionality. If we want to see improvement in any area of our lives, whether it's listening skills or I want to grow my prayer life or, or uh, skateboarding, which I don't want to grow in. But if I did, it would require practice, right? It would require any area in our life. It requires intentionality to grow in that. And the same thing is true in this area of generosity. So look with me at verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In fact, let's read this out loud together. Here we go. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. See, Paul here, he is talking about prior planning. He is talking about us thinking about this issue of generosity and making some decisions in our lives based upon what God is saying to us. Now, now please hear me. There is a place for spontaneous gen generosity. Absolutely. There is a place for the salvation army bell ringer uh, outside the grocery store giving to that person or the, the homeless person that is that is holding a sign on a street corner or the Facebook invite to to contribute to some GoFundMe opportunity or the friend who has an immediate need with a car uh, repair that they cannot you know afford or whatever all that stuff there is a there is absolutely a place for that kind of spontaneous generosity but if that is the complete picture of your giving just this spontaneous response to a, whatever, you know, opportunity appeal happens. If that is the complete picture of your generosity, you and I, we will never really grow in our experience of generosity. And here's why. Because to truly grow in our generosity, just like any other area, it requires prior planning. It requires thoughtful decisions and choices rather than just spontaneously responding to particular appeals as they come in. And one of the best examples of this intentionality is the concept of budgeting. Budgeting, which is an incredibly powerful concept. For those of you who are over 40, you already probably know the power of this. And for those of you who are under 40, I'm putting my dad hat on here, okay? Um, listen up, because this is life-changing. This is life-changing. <clears throat> if you apply this to your life, it will have huge positive ramifications, not just in your generosity, but in your whole life. Seriously. I heard a pastor say one time, this is kind of at the heart of budgeting. This is, this is the way he said it. He said, if you don't tell your money where you want it to go, it will take you where you don't want to go. 
If you don't tell your money where you want it to go, it will take you where you don't want to go. This is so true. Either we control our money or it will control us. And one of the best ways to control our money is through budgeting. Rather than just spending our money on whatever we feel like, we actually sit down and we look at our income. And, we, and from that, we decide how we're going to spend or invest that money based upon our needs and our priorities, what to say yes to and what to say no to. See, budgeting enables us to take control of our spending. If you, if you would like some help in how to do this, to grow in this area, we've got a couple suggestions. One, strongly encourage you to take our Financial Peace University. It's the next one starting in January. FPU, Financial Peace, can seriously help anyone who's feeling just the weight of financial challenges under all that. Or, and it can help that person, as well as just someone who just wants to get better at this whole budgeting thing and looking at your finances and taking control of your finances. In the last class... In the last FPU class, over $62,000 of consumer debt was paid off just in that class. That's amazing. That is amazing in terms of people's experience of freedom and joy. The next class, again, will be starting in January. There's another tool that I would suggest. There are lots of these out there, and I don't get any cut on any of this stuff, okay? There are apps and there are websites on budgeting. It's fantastic stuff. The one that, that my family has kind of discovered is called Every Dollar. Every dollar, I think Dave Ramsey actually helped put it together. It's a free app or, uh, as well as a website. You can do it on your phone, a website, every dollar. My, my 20-something kids love this app, okay? Um, they're, they're using it all the time. It is so cool. I'm now using it some as well. So what it does, it enables you to lay out your budget every month based on your income, and then you lay out your budget. And then it enables you to track your spending. Whenever you got a receipt, you just... And put it in there, and then it subtracts it. So you kind of know where you're at. And, oh, we're over this there, so we need to pull out of this. And it's just a really, really cool tool called Every, um, every Dollar. Okay, so the question is, why is budgeting so helpful? Why is it so helpful? One reason is, is that it forces us to look at our spending. It forces us to look at our spending and to stop spending more than we make, to not let our yearnings exceed our earnings, okay? Um, that's what we're talking about. I mean, I mean, credit cards are a wonderful convenience, man. I love credit They're a wonderful convenience when you fully pay them off every month. But if you only pay the minimum payment, oh, I can do that, you know. When you only pay the minimum payment, credit cards quickly become a black hole that will take us deeper into debt. See, even though technically you can afford the minimum, you can pay that minimum amount monthly, that credit card company is charging you 18% interest, which is evil, okay? Uh, I don't know how else to say it. It is just evil. See, we end up paying way more. Put it on a credit card, your television. You end up paying like five times more <laughs> for that TV than it was ever worth. That's what happens, and, we, and what happens is we become enslaved to the credit card company. Because if you stop pay, making payments, you will have creditors harassing you to get their money. You will not be in control of your finances. They will. They will. The other dark side of consumer debt is that it hinders our ability to be generous. When an exciting ministry opportunity comes up, and we're like, oh, that would be so fun to give to. You know, we're excited to be a part of this or whatever it is it happens to be. And, and we really want to be a part of it. We automatically say, ah, we can't do that. 
can't do that because we're still deep in credit card debt. See, God doesn't want us to be burdened by consumer debt. He doesn't. He, 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 he doesn't want us to miss the freedom that he has for you. So making a budget and sticking to it actually frees us. It frees us. It sounds constrictive, but it's not. It actually frees us and enables us to take control of our finances in such a way that we can give priority where we want to give, a, give priority. This is huge. We're in charge. We tell our money where we want it to go, which means we can be incredibly strategic with it. This is the cool side of this. If, if as a result, let's say if there's a result of this teaching series, it's the weeks, you know, or your interaction with these pastors or whatever, God's stirring in your heart this deeper desire to grow in your generosity. You have the power to do that. That's what this means. You have the power to do that. You have the power to say, okay, this percentage of our income is now going to go to God. This percentage is now going to go to God. And then you build your budget around that reality. Now, that will, that will probably mean some other things will need to go or, or be adjusted. Maybe instead of going into huge debt with a new car, you know, we buy a used car and we pay cash. Or maybe we realize, you know, our Starbucks, this may hit some people, I'm sorry, but uh, our Starbucks, our Starbucks drive through every morning, we start to think about that. It's actually costing us $25 a week, $100 a month, $1,200 a year. And we say, I can make my own coffee in the morning if it means I'm able to give that amount to God's kingdom work. See, the, the key here is intentionality. We now are being strategic about our generosity. We now are exploring all sorts of ways to be more generous, all sorts of ways to plant more seed in order to see more fruit, which is exciting. It is freeing, it is joy-filled because we are now making choices that enable us to more fully express our love for Jesus. This is so cool, right? That, I mean, that's the ultimate issue. I mean, look, look, at, look at the next verse, the, the next part of the same verse. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful, he loves all of us, of course, but he loves a cheerful giver. There's something about that that just delights his heart when he sees someone who is cheerful uh, in their giving. <clears throat> and I think we can all relate to this illustration that I often will, will, will share, but imagine that on, on Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, I come home with a dozen roses and I hand them to Raylene and I say to her, I didn't really want to buy these, but it is Valentine's Day, and I am your husband, so here goes. Uh, you know, uh, here, you, here you go. H how well would that go over? <clears throat> I would be, I would know what roses taste like, I think. You know, it would be something <laughs> like that. I mean, but, but part of me is like, well, why would she do that? Why would she throw it back? I mean, I, she got her flowers, right? She got her flowers. Yeah, but she didn't get my heart, right? She didn't get my heart, honestly. If your giving to God is reluctant, if the whole topic of generosity is just kind of making you mad and resistant, please keep your money. Honestly, keep it. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. He doesn't want our reluctant obligatory gifts. He wants our heart. He wants our gifts 
to him to flow out of a heart of joy-filled love for him. (laughs) This cheerfulness. When that kind of love is filling our heart, we want to invest his kingdom work. We just, we want to. It's like, man, this is awesome. I get to be in control of this and and, and look what I can do and the the seeds I can sow, all that stuff. We want to do that. We want to find more ways to give to him, creative ways to free up resources for his kingdom, no matter what stage of life we're in. Again, this is not a, oh, it only works for whatever people just in your mind. It's for every stage of life we're in. We can look at our grocery spending. We can look at our eating out spending. We can look at the impact of taking a lunch to work or carpooling or monthly subscriptions that we don't really use. Those are all seeds ready for planting, right? Those are all seeds ready for planting. This is, this is really minimalism with a kingdom purpose. There's a lot of talk about minimalism and simplicity, which is awesome, but this is actually minimalism with a kingdom purpose. See, suddenly our budget becomes the strategic kingdom advancing tool, which is really cool, right? I was talking with a friend of mine, just talking about stages of life. Just We're going to get practical here. Talking about a friend of mine, recently retired. He shared about how when he was working, he and his wife loved being generous. And they gave a very significant percentage of their income to the Lord. Well, now they're retired. And, and they no longer have that salary income, you know, regularly coming in. And so they've, they've had to kind of relook at this whole area and explore creative ways to keep being generous with what God has provided for them. So one example they've discovered is knowing that people age 70 and a half are required to begin withdrawing a mandated amount from their retirement funds each year, right? It's required. You have to withdraw that, which is, and then when you withdraw it, it's taxed. Well, they discovered if you just give that withdrawal amount rather than withdrawing it for yourself and then doing whatever, if you give it directly to your church or charity or whatever, there's no tax obligation. They can significantly reduce their taxes and advance kingdom ministry at the same time. That's just being shrewd, right? In a good way. That's just being smart and creative. In addition to that, they they begin to think about this tithing thing. 10%, 10%, how do we do that? You know, we don't, we don't have income, you know, stream coming anymore. And then they, they thought, hey, what if through our will or trust, what if we designated 10% of our estate to be giving, given to our church while still providing for the family with the remaining 90% after they die? So they just put this in their will. It's a way to tithe. Again, this is just outside the box sort of thing. They're just all sorts of creative ways to give which can maximize our ability to invest in the kingdom. So some of these ways, if you start exploring this stuff or talk to your accountant about it, there are all sorts of ways. Some of these involve tax-saving strategies like donating assets, donating assets instead of selling the asset and then you know, donating the proceeds, huge savings, donating the asset directly, things like that. Some of you work for companies that actually do a matching charitable donation, State Farm, and Noble Energy are two that I know of. Our church recently got a check from Noble Energy because someone in our church set up a matching gift thing through their company. I mean, I remember hearing, here's another example. Again, just trying to, just outside the box sort of thinking. So I remember hearing a story of a business owner in his late 40s, probably late 40s. Um, he sat down with his wife. And their business was doing well. He sat down with his wife and said, what's our finish line? What's our finish line? In other words, what is a yearly salary that's enough for us to live comfortably on and provide for our retirement and for our kids? How much would that be? In other words, 
how much is enough? When is enough enough? How much would that be? And so they decided on a number. Again, this is not, this is not squeaking out every week. This is, this is like a number that they could live comfortably on. They could save. They could live comfortably on. They decided on a number, and they said, anything we make over and above that, we're going to give it away to the Lord's work. Well, God began blessing their company. Um, they have given millions of dollars away. This is in the South somewhere, but they've given millions of dollars away. Now, for some of us here, for some of us in the stage of life that we're in, we could actually start asking that same question. Maybe your kids are out of college or whatever, and we could start asking that question. How much is enough? What's our finish line? What is our finish line? And then whatever is over that, we're going to live comfortably and everything, but whatever's over that, we're just going to give that away. The impact of that could be amazing. Now, I know that's not where maybe many of us here are, which is totally okay. We're talking to a bunch of different people here. Um, but, the, but in Luke 18, Jesus, remember Jesus publicly praised a woman who gave two pennies to the temple treasury. This is about a mouse, right? She gave two pennies to the temple treasury. And why did he praise her? Because he said those two pennies, that was everything she had to live on. It's not about the amounts. It's about the heart. She, she was giving those final two pennies to God and he saw her. He saw her. He valued her gift to him. And notice, even though it was going to the temple treasury or whatever, Jesus saw it as a gift to him. She didn't walk away wondering, boy, I wonder how they're gonna, that temple's gonna spend that two pennies, you know? No, because technically speaking, she wasn't giving to the temple. She was giving to God and Jesus saw that. We all have we all this amazing opportunity, this incredible invitation from God to choose to be intentional, to choose to experience the adventure of financial generosity. Honestly, our lives will never be the same. Our lives will never be the same. So I was talking with a couple um, in our church recently. I knew they'd um, been, they'd given generously to some things in our church, some needs that we'd had. And, and, and so I, I just asked them, we talked about some other things and I just, I asked them, so tell me about your generosity journey. Just tell me about that, which is a great question actually. Um, I'm realizing, but it really, just, just tell me about that, your generosity journey. And they just lit up. And they just began sharing about this area in their lives and the challenge it had been, but the blessing it had been and their journey and how their faith had grown and how much joy they had experienced and, 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 and their plan to keep growing in this and all that. And I was so, I was inspired and I was so encouraged and I thought, oh man, I wish our church family could hear some of this story. And then I called Jenny and said, can we make this happen? Uh, so our video team um, made it happen. And so let's just watch a little bit of this story. When we got married, we had both graduated from Colorado School of Mines mm -hmm. and we decided to go to Southern California. I didn't have a job. She had grad school starting and I got a job, thankfully. And the paycheck first paycheck came through the week before my student loans started needed to be paid off. Seeing how God provided the finances that we need, just that we needed, just when we needed them, it made it pretty easy to begin tithing. And then when we went to Rock Harbor, which was a church that we were going to in Southern California, um, we heard a, a message about uh, offering, the concept of offering versus tithe. So tithe is your 10% and offering would be above and beyond. 
I actually, these types of sermons where they talk about giving are like my least favorite because I know at the end of it, I will look over at Mick and he'll have some new idea of a new way we can give more. I'm like, no. So I sit there the whole time like, oh, please, no, no. Um, and he does every time. And it's always a really good idea. For a while, we just continued tithing. And that was, that was okay at the time. And that's where we were at. And then I decided I didn't want to go to grad school anymore. But I had to get a job. And my job came through and the salary was um, right what we needed, right when we needed it. And we were at Disneyland and we were so excited. And I just got off the call for the offer and Nick looked at me and he's like, I think we should give 5% of that above and beyond weight. And I was so caught up in excitement. I was like, yes. And then I was like, oh <laughs> no, what have I committed to? Like, I'm just... Nick has a naturally giving, generous heart. I have a natural Scroogey heart. I was committed to the 5%, but I was like, all right, that's it. We're at 5%. percent not doing it anymore. Um, yeah. But so, then things started to change. Go ahead. Yeah, so fifth, it was 10% tithe and 5%, to the church that we were attending. Yes. And then 5% extra that became an offering fund. And the thing in that message that we heard at Rock Harbor was... It's an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit work in your lives. Mm -hmm. And so that was what we kind of started doing. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna start this fund, this kind of sinking fund that we're gonna pray about. And when the Holy Spirit puts something on our our hearts, we have, we'll have the money to give. It didn't feel like my heart was resistant anymore. Now I could be excited because I'd already committed the money. We made that commitment to, to five percent extra and um, I stubbornly held us there for a while. I was like, fine. But Mick had this concept of, well, what if we increase it every year, a percentage every year? And I was like really intimidated by that and a little nervous. And I was like, okay, but we already committed to five. So I've got five years to get adjusted to 15%. And then we can think about going up. Um, and it got there and there'd been so many positive experiences from that giving. I couldn't say no. Now we have this amazing opportunity to really have it super exciting, impactful giving. When I look to increase giving, whether it's um, by committing tithe to church or increasing your, your giving, I always approach it with resistance and with a, a gut feeling of uncomfortableness and fear and a bit of shame for feeling fearful about giving more. Uh, I'll mix in this big ball. Um, and it's become for me a choice that I am going to take that leap because when I took the first little leap, God caught me. And so I can take the next leap and God has caught me. When you do that enough times, you get caught enough times, you start taking bigger leaps because you've seen the proof is in the pudding. He catches you every time. This isn't easy. No. This is still really hard. And when we get comfortable, that's usually about when God stretches us a little more and says, now do this. Yeah. Except after, when yeah. you get to see the benefits and you get to give and somebody comes to you and asks you to sponsor them in some awesome mission opportunity and you can say yes without missing a beat, it's worth it. <laughs> so, love their story. Um, and again, it's, it's their story. And we all have a story here, Ray. So, but it's just the principle of intentionality can be such a powerful thing for all of us 
in our financial lives, no matter kind of where we are in this journey. It, 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 it moves each one of us as followers of Jesus to ask a really powerful question. Here's the question. Jesus, what is the next step you are wanting me to take in this journey? Right? We, we, we never arrive. We never arrive in this, in this area of generosity. God is always inviting us to grow in this area that is so near to his heart. And so this really is the key question. Jesus, what step, what next step do you want us to take? And again, this is a question we can continually be asking, but I think especially in this point, in this, this three weeks, we've been challenged, we've been thinking about this. What is Jesus' this next step is he asking us to take? Now, some of you, in response to these last two weeks, you have already been taking steps, <laughs> which is so fun. Um, and it's so cool. I'm just taking steps in, in greater generosity, which is great. Others of us are, are, are seeking the Lord about this. And, and, and that's awesome as well. I mean, these are things we need to talk about and pray about, all this. That's awesome as well. My encouragement to all of us is, let's just go to Jesus with this, right? That's, that's it. Let's just go to Jesus with this. Um, let's go to Jesus with whatever is stirring in our hearts regarding this topic, even if it's anger or defensiveness or frustration. Explore that. Seriously. Don't be afraid of that. Just explore it and just ask this question. Jesus, what, what is being triggered in me? Why is it so hard for me to hear messages like this? And what is being triggered in me? And just explore that. Explore that. Jesus loves us. He wants us to explore what's going on. And feel free to grab a cup of coffee with one of our pastoral staff and just process what's stirring in you. There's just, there's life there in the processing. There's life. And for others of you, for others of you, and I've talked to some of you, God is stirring this sense of almost giddy excitement about this area, which is so much fun. Because you're realizing the seeds that you could plant. You're realizing the blessings that you could experience. It's so much fun to have conversations with people that are like, wow, this could be so much fun. So again, the question, the key question here is, what next step is Jesus inviting us to take? That's, that's the key question. And so what I want us to do, I want to end this, this message and really this whole series, by declaring over you the three promises that we've looked at in this series, these three amazing descriptions of what God promises to you and me when we give. Okay, so just close your eyes. And I just want you to hear these words with your heart. Give, and it will be given to you. Press down shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you will not have room enough for it. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God, these are your words to us. 
about a significant area in our lives. And thank you for your word to us. These promises, over-the-top promises, directly from you to us as it relates to this area of financial generosity. Thank you for these promises. Thank you for being such a generous God. That Jesus, you gave your all for us. You're so generous. And you invite us into this life of just thriving and peace and joy and freedom as we follow your word. And so I just want to pray, Jesus, for all of us. This next step, maybe we're already in process here, but just this idea, let's just go to Jesus. Each one of us, go to you with this. And I pray that you would speak to us and that you would give us the courage to say yes to all that you have for us. And I want to pray as a result of that, Lord, I'm just so excited about the blessings that are going to be poured out. You promised they're going to be poured out. All these things we've talked about, joy and peace and provision and all of that. But I'm also thanking you for the people who are going to come to know you, the people who are going to, their marriage is going to be restored or, or people are going to hear about you overseas or whatever it happens to be, Lord, that these gifts are going to result in thanksgiving and praise to you in a multiplying way. And that is so much fun because that's what it's all about. We want praise to be given to you. So we love you. We love you. Speak to our hearts. Help us to keep growing in this amazing area, Lord. We love you. We love you, God. And thank you now, Lord, for this opportunity to just respond to you in our hearts in worship. So if you are wanting, if you're here, you're, you're wanting to, man, ready just to worship, we invite you. You can stand, you can sit, whatever, come kneel. But just worship as the worship team leads us. For others of you, you're maybe still in this place, in place of just saying, Jesus, what's the next step? That's totally cool. You can just remain seated. You can just, uh, just speak to him. Let him speak to your heart about that. For others of you, maybe it's like, I, I just want someone to pray for me about anything going on in my life. We got a prayer team, prayer team there at the back at the prayer stations. And again, this isn't the, the, the point that, that for a gift but in, in this moment, but if God's laying that on your heart, there are giving stations around and you could actually worship him in that way. So however God is stirring and leading you, we get to enter into this, this next several minutes of just worshiping him and giving him glory and hearing him speak and all of that. So why don't we stand? Those of you who want to stand, if you want to be seated, go for it. And Jesus, whatever you're doing in us, just continue that. If we're, if we're singing, if we're hearing your voice or whatever it is, Lord, just stir this in us. We love you. We love you. You are worthy of our praise. Set us free to respond. Set us free to worship you.